Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Globally now, more than 300 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine have been given out in more than 100 countries around the world. That is an amazing scientific achievement. I mean, this is for a disease we barely defined a year ago, and now there are these vaccines in so many countries around the world. Last December, the COVID-19 vaccine created by BioNTech in partnership with Pfizer became the first COVID-19 vaccine to be authorized for use in the world following these large-scale clinical trials. Now, you should also know this. It was the first medical product, period, using mRNA technology to be authorized in the United States for use in humans. On a personal note, it also happened to be the vaccine that I was fortunate enough to receive. So today I was really excited to speak to Dr. Uhur Sahin and Dr. Oslem Torici, the husband and wife brains behind this groundbreaking vaccine. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Thank you both for your time, first of all. Just it's what an honor to speak to you. Yes, thank you, Sanjay, for your interest. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I also want to just say thank you for all your work. I, I am a recipient of the vaccine. I think for the last year, I, I did not really think that I was going to to get sick. I, I, I've been very careful. I'm, I'm, you know, just very diligent about basic public health measures. But after I received the vaccine, there was still this incredible feeling of of well-being and, and liberation to some extent. Uh, I, I don't know quite how to describe it. It surprised me a little bit. But I wanted to just share that with you from the beginning and say thank you. Because uh, you've done that for me, you've done that for so many millions of people, and will continue to do that for so many millions of people around the world. Sanjay, thank you for sharing that. Today, March 11th, one year from the day the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. Uh, as you know, more than 2 million people have died. Did you anticipate this? Did, did you think it would be this, have this much of an impact, devastating impact around the world? Yes, actually, we expected this. When this started, we understood that this is going to be most likely a global pandemic. And then we tried to identify the mortality rate. And the mortality rate that we calculated was in the range of the Asian flu. 1957 was that, I believe. And this was in the range of 2 million people. Uh, so that was the guess that this could become so severe. But I'm curious, just in January, uh, Dr. Shaheen, you, you, you talked about this becoming a global pandemic. The World Health Organization didn't declare it until March 11th. 
I mean, we had seen things before, right? I mean, you talked about the, the uh, 1957 flu pandemic, but what made you believe that this was going to be so dramatically different than a, another coronavirus from, from China? It's two factors. The one factor is that we have today a much higher traffic, international traffic from China. And then the second aspect is that SARS-CoV-2, it comes also with asymptomatic cases. An asymptomatic case means uh, that the usual measures, for example, evaluating people whether if they have fever yeah, before letting them travel will not work. And the combination of both creates a situation which can't be controlled. I, I just I think it's really it's really prophetic, you know. I mean, as it turns out, what you're saying is exactly right, uh, and now the world knows it. But let, let me let me back up one second more. I mean, many of our listeners may not realize that you're a married couple. I'm talking to two scientists who are at the forefront of this Pfizer vaccine, who also happen to be married. Was it immunology that drew you together? We, we, we are both physicians. We have worked hands-on and seen patients and treated patients. At the same time, we were scientists and what we were basically daily experiencing as cancer doctors was that there's not much we can offer our patients in terms of approved standards of care. Yet in the world of science, we experienced that there were so many technologies and knowledge which would provide the opportunity to better treat patients. And this gap and the interest in translating science into survival was what we shared and why at some point we, we decided to do this journey together. It's a, it's a beautiful story. I love it. And even right after you got married, after the wedding ceremony, that day you were back in the lab, I read. I, I, I just I find it extraordinary. And thank you for your dedication. Uh, Dr. Cheyenne, you know, my um, I was talking to my 15-year-old daughter yesterday, and I told her I was going to be talking to both of you uh, about mRNA vaccines. And I've explained to her many times over the past several months what mRNA technology is and how it works. But I'm wondering, how do you explain it, especially to non-scientists? What exactly is an mRNA vaccine? An mRNA vaccine is a piece of genetic information which is able to instruct cells to make proteins, in this case, pieces of the virus, so that the immune system can see the pieces and, and can be trained. It is like an email which is sent to the cells with an instruction. And the interesting aspect is that the message disappears after some time after the job has been fulfilled by the cell. A any cell in the human body? Any cell in the human body. Uh, Dr. Turecci, as, as you know, there is still a fair amount of vaccine hesitancy uh, in many places around the world. Um, is, is that warranted? I mean, is there, are there dangers of this mRNA vaccine? People hear about a genetically-based vaccine, and I think to some extent, understandably, they get nervous. What can you say to address those fears? In terms of concerns that because this is a nucleic acid-based vaccine, the messenger RNA is a very transient molecule. That means it is in a cell of a subject uh, who has been vaccinated 
for a short time and is then degraded by natural mechanisms and is gone and is not integrated into the genome. So this means that it is not some sort of genetic manipulation. Dr. Shaheen, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. We saw the, the, the results from the trials, but now there's real-world data looking at how the vaccine is performing. And there was some, some data that just came out of Israel looking not only at preventing illness, but also at preventing asymptomatic infections as well. What, what can you tell us about that? Yes, this is indeed a very important piece of information. So our clinical trial did not measure asymptomatic infection. And, and we are now getting the data from Israel, which uh, clearly shows that vaccinated individuals have strongly reduced asymptomatic infection rate, actually more than 90% reduction of asymptomatic infections. So if someone is not infected, then he is also not able to transmit the virus to another person. This is really, really a great piece of new information, increasing the likelihood that we will be able to successfully control this pandemic. I, I do want to ask about these, these variants. So you, you have this virus, this, this wild type, call it the, the, the dominant circulating virus, for example, in the United States. And then there's these variants. They have certain mutations. Uh, maybe those mutations are around the spike protein, They're whatever the mutations may be. How, how, how well did you expect this vaccine to, to work against these existing mutations? When we started our vaccine development, what we wanted to accomplish is a powerful multi-layered immune response. And our immune system is consisting of two specific immune response types. These are antibodies, and these antibodies are important to prevent the virus entering the cell. And the second task is, is to induce a strong T-cell response. So T-cells are able to recognize infected cells and, and kill infected cells. And this is a mechanism which really allows if the virus has made it and accomplished to enter the cell, this is a second layer of protection. And what is interesting is that the virus variants which are occurring are so-called antibody escape variants. So that means there are now variants which are able to mutate so that the antibodies cannot bind anymore or not as effectively. For example, we know that the South African variant, we see reduction of the binding of antibodies to about 30 to 40 percent. But the, the antibodies which are induced are so high with our vaccine that still sufficient antibodies should be around. What is more important is that the virus is not able to escape the T-cell response because every individual has a different type of T-cell response. You can regard the second layer as an alarm system, yeah, which is different in every individual. So if the virus is, is able to circumvent the antibody-based alarm system, then still it will encounter the T-cell-based alarm system. And this T-cell-based alarm system is very different in every individual. So the virus is not prepared to escape that. And we believe that this would provide protection even if the antibody-based system does not work. And of course, if the real-world data shows us that one variant 
occurs that is not anymore recognized sufficiently by the antibodies, we would just adapt the vaccine by making a new vaccine that is tailored exactly against this variant. Um, you know, 10% of the population in the United States has now been fully vaccinated. Uh, one person every second is being vaccinated in wealthy countries, and there are some countries around the world that have not received any vaccine as of yet. What is the what is your reaction to that? What is the obligation, just the overall obligation to the world with these vaccines? Sanjay, we, we declared from the very beginning that we want to make a vaccine for the world and that we cannot serve entire world at once because of this gigantic dimension of this mission, which is unprecedented. And with regard to rolling out also in low and middle income countries, we are closely working together with a COVAX facility, for example, but also with individual countries and are also working on adapting the storage transport conditions of our vaccine and the accessibility of the diverse healthcare systems. Doctors, consider me a fan I, uh, and, and, uh, and a grateful one. I, I'm vaccinated because of you and I thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sanjay. Thank you. Now, it is incredible to get the confirmation that not only do these vaccines prevent people from getting sick with COVID-19, but they also prevent them from getting infected and possibly transmitting the virus to others. What that means is that as more people get vaccinated, the closer we will be to ending this pandemic. And it's great news also that BioNTech is focusing attention on countries that are still in need of vaccines through the program Dr. Turici mentioned, COVAX. Now, COVAX is run by the World Health Organization. They use donations to purchase vaccines for countries that cannot afford them. But as developed countries have bought up most of the global supply of vaccines, many lower and middle income countries are getting left behind. And we're going to be talking more about COVAX and global vaccine distribution in an upcoming episode. But keep in mind this. The virus knows no borders. The virus doesn't care about geography which means that the vaccinations require a global approach. We can only truly emerge from this pandemic when most of the world has been vaccinated, not just the United States. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.